Welcome to the PhD Addicted to Research podcast. My name is Marve and I'm a PhD student at the University of Exeter. My research focuses on understanding psychological mechanisms of alcohol use disorders such as rumination and how these can be targeted with treatments. In today's podcast, we'll discuss how to work effectively with your supervisors during your PhD. Firstly, I'll be talking to two fellow PhD students, Dan and Carol. I'll also interview Dr. Tom Freeman about his own experiences of supervising PhDs and his top tips for current PhD students, so tune in for those. So Carol has just completed her Viva, so we're going to um, have a little round of applause for Dr. Getty. Yay. Well done, Carol. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll actually let you guys introduce yourself this time. So Carol, would you like to go first? Thanks, Marva. Um... Oh, that was so sweet. Uh, yeah, so my name is Carol, um, PhD student at the National Addiction Centre at King's College London. So as Marva said, I have just uh, submitted my uh, PhD and uh, done my FIVA. Um, so I'm right at the, the later stage of the PhD process, I guess. Um, so looking back on um, yeah, my relationship with my supervisor um, is quite interesting at this stage, actually. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you, I'm at the later stages of my PhD as well. I'm currently writing my thesis, having completed all of my um, data collection. Uh, and I'm at the University of East London looking at the molecular mechanisms of alcohol addiction using fruit flies as my model, which are Drosophila melanogaster. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about our experiences with our supervisors, uh, which has been, you know, very positive. And we'll also discuss some experiences of our colleagues and friends. So the reason we're talking about this is because, you know, PhD and supervisor relationship is very important to the student satisfaction and well-being and also the overall success of a PhD. So the first thing I want to talk about is discussing what actually is the role of a PhD, a PhD supervisor. So I think that's a really um, an interesting uh, question as well, Marva, because I think every PhD student will determine a supervisor as being something slightly different to them based upon the experiences and their needs. Um, but I think one thing that everybody would say um, that's in common is that a supervisor is there to support and guide you through your PhD journey from the beginning to the end. And their job is to train you, support you and guide you, academically speaking, to get from the beginning to the end and ultimately teach you and allow you to learn what you need in order to be awarded your doctorate. Yeah, that's a great definition, Dan. Carol, before I go on, would you like to add anything to that? Or I think Dan's definition was, I mean, spot on. I just want to point out that there's, um, it's worth bearing in mind that, you know, we might have a number of supervisors involved in our project as well. So the role of our primary supervisor might look very different to the role of our second supervisor, our third supervisor, depending on how lucky you are um, and how many people you have involved in your project. So I guess your primary supervisor is... Um, your first port of contact. Not necessarily always the case, but it's normally the person who you would go to uh, first and foremost. And then your second supervisor will be there to, of course, um, also provide their expertise and, and guide you along the way and give you support and advice and attend your supervisory meetings and that type of thing. Um, in my, actually, in my experience, it was slightly different because my second supervisor was actually um, experienced in one of my... Um, uh, methodologies of my of my PhD so they had quite similar roles but provided um, different expertise in different areas which is quite common I think yeah yeah I think that's a really good thing to mention and I think you know people have various 
involvement in supervision really depends on the on the actual team doesn't it absolutely yeah. and i want to go back to something dan said about phd supervisor is someone who supports you from the beginning till the end of your phd and i think one of the things that what i want to say is that you know the role of the phd supervisor also evolves throughout your phd when you're beginning you they might be giving you more support on the background and theory and learning the and the research methods and things like that whereas towards the end it might be about um you know arranging your viva and um finding your examiners and perhaps you know some career advice as well so another thing that i want to talk about is things that don't necessarily fall under the remit of a phd supervisor um is there anything that comes to mind for you Carol? What comes to my mind is your supervisor is not necessarily somebody who's there to provide you with all the training that you need. I think that's one of the most obvious things that come to my mind. Yes, of course, they're a really valuable um, resource for pointing you in the right direction where you might need to go or how to feel of the best training courses that are available out there. Um, And they might provide some basic information, training advice, that type of thing about how to conduct, say, for instance, systematic review or whatever it might be. Um, but it's very important not to expect too much of your supervisor. Yes, they're an expert in your particular research field and they've got extensive experience um, and knowledge, but they're not an expert in your particular topic. So you 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 will have to expect to look elsewhere um, for those tra- for those training um, programs or skills that you need to develop along the way. Definitely, definitely. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I would I would like to again mirror what <laughs> what Carol said, and that is that you know at the beginning I think you go into a PhD um, having this expectation and um, ideology that your your supervisor is going to be your academic mother, let's say, and they are going to provide everything you need and nurture you every step of the way. But ultimately, they are just one person like you are, and they cannot know everything about everything. It's important early on, and I think every PhD student goes through this process whereby they almost expand their supervisory team and develop, you know, mentors and mentors and colleagues within the department or also further afield. So it, it's really uh, important to... Um, you know, develop this dynamic and appreciate what they can and cannot offer. And if they can't offer something, it's not a negative, so to speak. It allows you to develop that little bit further as a PhD student as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I just want to go back to what you said about unofficial mentors. You know, I think it's important to also be aware of like other PhD students in your lab or postdocs or, you know, other members of your team that can provide you with some expertise that maybe your supervisor doesn't have. They might have done a particular method that you want to use, um, but I would say not to um, discount these people, these other people around you as well in terms of um, mentorship and supervision. Yeah. I think another thing um, that's worth mentioning because as you said Marva at the start whenever you get involved in doing a PhD and like at the very early stages of it you don't quite know what to expect from that relationship with your supervisor um, but I think it's also important to remember and to realise quite early on that you need to take responsibility of this your supervisor is not going to chase you up in any which way so it's really important that you establish like for instance meeting agendas how often you're going to meet with them what kind of things you're going to discuss if you're going to take minutes if you're going to feedback the outcomes of the meetings and that type of thing so it's really important that you actually steer that I guess everybody kind of manages it in different ways but 
my experience and, and it worked really well was um taking responsibility of those meetings and making sure that I was penciling them into the diary. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point you mentioned about taking responsibility and not um, not expecting everything from your supervisor. Yeah, and just just to say as well, I'm sure my supervisor won't mind me saying this, so I'm gonna go off topic here and be less anonymized that the, the you know the supervisory expectations of myself and of him as a primary supervisor changed throughout the throughout the period of time that I've been studying and I think that that's important for our listeners whether you are thinking about a PhD and selecting a supervisor or you're midway through your research is that your dynamic will and can change and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that when I started off I took the advice of my peers before me and sat down with my supervisor and said look this is the way I like to work how do you like to work? What do you expect of me? And what can I expect of you? Halfway through my PhD, I needed to be supported in a way that I didn't have at the beginning. And what do I mean by that? So when I'm getting feedback, I'm very reliant on a pat on the back. At the beginning, everything was um, was new. So I didn't necessarily have a gauge of what was going on and what I was doing well or not. I and mean, he was always there to give me that. Whereas once I had learned these skills, for example, he wouldn't always say, Dan, you're doing a great job because he knows that I know I am, but I still needed that reinforcement. I sort of said, you know, I, I would like the occasional email or pat on the back to let me know that I'm still doing all right. And, you know, he, he embraced that, which is really great. It's, it's important to note that we we all know PhD students who don't have a good relationship with their supervisor and that may be you know some supervisors may be overly controlling or too involved in the research and guide and um, determine every every single step along the way whereas some supervisors may be completely absent um, but I think it's really important that if you're in that situation that you try and rectify it because the, if you have a poor relationship with your supervisor I think it could really break your PhD and um, really negatively impact the progress that you'll make along the way um, so I think you really need to try and foster a good relationship with them and it's somet- sometimes we get lucky and we just click with our supervisors and things work out fine and it's um, effortless having that good relationship but then on other occasions people just don't get, I mean personalities just clash and that's okay because there's always I mean there's always ways around changing that as we said swapping out supervisors or speaking to somebody about um, make it a more significant change I guess but it's always important to acknowledge that you know it doesn't always work out how we envision it will um, but not to be stuck in that and make sure that you do something about it. In my experience I hadn't worked with my supervisor before starting the PhD so I think if that is the case for some people I want to say that it does take some time to get used to working together and I think that's normal and it is something that people do figure out as you go along um, you know by communicating with each other I think if I would say anything about you know how to work uh, best with your supervisor it would just be communication um, is really key and maybe not necessarily expecting everything to be great from the start it's it is a relationship that you develop as you work with your supervisors especially if you haven't worked with them beforehand and I think it's normal to you know have a few hiccups along the way you did mention Carol that not everyone has necessarily positive relationships with their supervisors and sometimes people's personalities may not match so what could be some of the serious problems that people could experience in um, their relationship with their supervisor Oh gosh, I think there's um 
there's probably 101 things that could go wrong with the re- relationship with your supervisor. Things can be um, relatively minor or, or quite extreme, but I don't think that regardless of how extreme it is, it's, it's not appropriate. If it's not appropriate, then it's not acceptable. So if there's anything that makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you feel like you can't you can't progress with your PhD or you don't feel confident in, in the position that you're in or with your supervisor, then I think something there's something not quite there's something that's not quite right there. So of course we know more extreme things like um, harassment and, and bullying. So I guess if your supervisor ever puts you into a position where where you feel like you're yeah if you're being bullied or harassed I guess then then you need to make sure that you're you're stepping outside that relationship and outside your comfort zone um, to address that issue because. It doesn't, and I, and I think it's a little bit tricky whenever you think of your supervisor or somebody who's superior to you. You may think that, oh, you're just a student, that you should just be quiet and go on with it. And your supervisor, they're the expert, you're, they're your boss, you've got to respect them. But I don't think that matters. You're part of a team uh, with your supervisor. So I think if, if you're ever in the situation where you feel like your relationship is not is not healthy with your supervisor your voice needs to be heard and you need to um, remove yourself from that situation and i think within universities it's important to note that you're there's never only one person you can speak to there are so many different avenues and services you can speak to um every university will have a graduate school but there will be a set department that is responsible for the management of postgraduate researchers and you can seek support from them. You will not be the first person who's come into a problem with your supervisory team and you certainly won't be the last. Um, but it's important to know that things can be addressed and things can be made better if you are having problems. I think sometimes I've just mentioned because I know that we're talking about the real extreme um, case here, but there's sometimes things will pop up along the way that you that don't make you feel comfortable that can be definitely rectified. And it's just a sometimes it's just a, a clash in how you work and how your supervisor works but things that you can address um so that you lay out your expectations to your supervisor and you promote this um effective workspace where they know what to expect of you and you know what to expect of them so a lot of things can be addressed i mean and quite often we we don't recognize when we're having this unhealthy relationship so if something you know something that just comes to my mind is i know if it's students along the way who their supervisor is maybe completely absent as I mentioned before or overly involved to the point where it's a little bit um where they control um, certain aspects of the the research project and and the progress of that and I feel like that's not healthy and it's important that you know as a PhD student we recognize that and anything that makes us feel slightly uncomfortable is probably not yeah I think um so you know what we've discussed so far is that there are certain issues that are serious problems like things like um, bullying and harassment and perhaps like racism you know with these kind of things it's very important to immediately raise them some of the problems you may not be able to rectify and it's completely fine to change your supervisor if that's going to make you have a better supervisory supervision during your phd um, if you're going to have a better experience and then there are some problems which do make us feel uncomfortable or make us feel unhappy during our PhD, but we can sort of communicate those problems and address those problems within our existing supervisors and get support from various people, right? So, you know, it may be the, um, supervisors who are not giving you enough of their time, they don't seem to be giving you um, much support, you know, maybe it is possible to communicate with them what exactly you need from them. And, you know, if your work approaches are not... Um, 
are not uh, matching up, you know, how can both sides make some compromises? So these are some of the things that with some support and some communication that people can address. Yeah. Can I just say this? I mean, this is quite personal, but I just spoke to my supervisor about it about an hour ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that she'd be totally fine with me sh with me sharing it. But um, I so I get quite I don't think it's like needy, but I'm quite like anxious with like deadlines and that type of thing. And if I send something to my supervisor uh, and I haven't heard back in a couple of weeks, I'm prone to a follow up email. Mm -hmm. Just a little friendly reminder. Can you get back to me? Bloody blah, whatever. Um, and my supervisor, uh, she has acknowledged on a number of occasions. Oh, thank you for sending me that reminder. That was really helpful. I need that. And this kind of continued throughout my PhD where she would, you know, she would she would make a remark about it and thank me for reminding her. And now that I finished, I just spoke to her today and I said about the podcast um, and I said, any tips? And then she was like, do what you did. She was like, quite often we need that, like we need that nudge. We do need that reminder. Um, and I totally, now that I've got to the other end of it, like I appreciate it. Like they have so many things to keep a check on. And your PhD project is just one thing that, they, that they're involved with. Absolutely. And you also touched upon, you know, having different uh, responsibilities. At the beginning of the PhD, I became very, very frust frustrated. And again, a bit needy like you, Carol, in a sense that, if I wanted something done or if I wanted a form or an email response, I wanted it now. Whereas for them, uh, it's not a priority. So whatever's at the top of my list is not necessarily at the top of theirs. And that was something I had to come to terms with very, very quickly. Damn, whenever I want something, I want it yesterday. <laughs> so I feel, but, I, but it made me feel, I actually felt every time I sent like a follow up email, I felt really uncomfortable and felt like, oh gosh, here I go nagging and nagging again. But it's really important and actually, like, they appreciate that. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, yeah, being such busy people, obviously they have more responsibilities than us. They might have other PhD students or, um, you know, undergrad or master's students they are supervising. So I think, you know, we need to help them as well. Um, so in, in some ways, help them help us, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it shows that you're being proactive and you're on it as yeah. well and that you haven't dropped the ball. Going back to a little bit about, you know, what to do when things are, uh, you know, when you're experiencing, experiencing some problems. I think, Dan, you mentioned, you know, you could talk to people in your doctoral college or graduate college, as you refer to it. Um, so what are some of the other people that you could seek help from? So um, the first step I would do is, is to speak to people in my office. So other PhD students are in that situation. Oh, I have this situation. My supervisor's not got back to me. What do I do? You know, I wouldn't jump straight to the doctoral college and say, yes. my supervisor's not responded to my email. <laughs> it's important to be realistic and understand of what the situation, what the severity is. Um, so as I said, PhD students that have been through this, the situation that you're in right now, um, mentors. Um, I have a mentor within my department, um, unofficially, um, who is another senior lecturer who I go to for uh, support and sometimes pastoral support as well. So it's somebody that's not involved in my project whatsoever, but we have a very good relationship. Um, also, there's um, uh, wellbeing support staff within uh, universities. I've touched upon them um, in previous episodes of our podcast as well. They are a wealth of knowledge and support and will often be able to say, you know what, see it from this point of view or have you tried doing this? Have you, you know, sometimes it's just a case of seeing somebody else's perspectives to put things into order will help you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of different things. Have you thought of anything, Carol? 
Dan, you've covered so many um, resources there. I was just thinking more so about, I mean, because Dan's covered so many, I was thinking more about um, how you can actually deal with these tricky situations with your supervisor directly. And what kind of springs to my mind is just about being honest. So if you're faced with a, a list as long as your arm, that seems like um, an impossible task that you're never ever going to be able to achieve, speak to your supervisor. Just tell them, look, I'm really struggling to do this. Um, I'm going to need a little bit of extra time. Also, if you're if you're finding it difficult, um, I know some people here have regular meetings with their supervisors. Sometimes they feel like, gosh, I've got a meeting with my supervisor and I haven't actually achieved anything this week or this month, whatever it might be. Still keep that appointment with your supervisor and still touch base with them. Don't just say, sorry, there's a clash or I'm busy or I've got an appointment. Be honest, really, yeah. Totally be honest. Yeah. Just tell them because they, they need to know. Um, and another thing is, if you think that your supervisor um, is taking too much involvement in your project and trying to steer the direction that it goes in, one tip that I would have is always be always have ammunition about uh, where you want to go with something. So whenever you're uh, discussing with them before they would su- before they would suggest, well, I think that you should do this or you need to do that X Y Z whatever it might be. Say to them, okay, so this is what needs done and this is how I'm going to do it. So show that you're being proactive and use your own initiative and make sure that you're very forthcoming with that. Because sometimes I think, um, you know, micromanagement and sometimes supervisors, um, you know, it, it, your project might be very much their baby as well and they kind of want to steer the direction of it. But if you show that you're on it, you know what you're doing, you've you've got it under control, I think that helps as well. And also it, if, if they're presenting like a... Um, a suggestion to you and it's not necessarily something you, that you agree with or it's not how you envision your project going if you're going to reject a suggestion that they make make sure that you have a counter argument yeah a um, reason so if you're going to it. say yeah yeah so just make sure if you're you know if you're going to say actually no um i don't think that that's how i quite want to to do this make sure that then you can say but i was thinking this is how i will do it and make sure that you then give a counter um, suggestion I think that's a really good point. And I think actually most supervisors want to see that during your PhD. Like I've noticed that, you know, my supervisor would ask me, what do you think we should do? Like, what do you want to do? And, you know, you need to kind of develop that confidence in yourself to be able to back up your, you know, your reasoning for doing certain things in a certain way. Actually, I've read this paper and I think it might be better to do do this way. Do say that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And also, if, if you're, I know some people struggle with their supervisors not giving them feedback um, in, a, in an appropriate time frame, um, it's important to not just sit on that and let it irritate you and, and get frustrated about it. Uh, one tip is to give your supervisor a deadline for when you would like that feedback turned around, um, but make sure that that's realistic. So it might be helpful to discuss it um, in advance so you could say something like, um, okay, so if I was to send you my systematic review, how long do you imagine it would take you to look at it and if they say yeah it should take me one week two weeks say okay great and then whenever you send it to them say can I have your feedback by the 30th or whatever it might be because otherwise they won't put it in their diary they won't have a date to work towards and all days will just roll into one um, because they're super busy people so I think that's really important otherwise otherwise sometimes it's difficult to keep track of everything Again, it's it's that age-old thing that we've been talking about. It's just setting the boundaries and expectations. How can you, you know, expect somebody to act in a certain way that's going to be helpful for you if they don't know that that's what you need? And I guess just also being aware of, like, their commitments as well. You know, if they've got 
a deadline for something else during the next week, it's not reasonable to expect them to give you feedback about something within the same week, is it? Yeah. It reminds me of the nursery rhymes I've been playing with my child, where we do <laughs> wind the bobbin up and clap, clap, clap. <laughs> um, hopefully this won't be like a nursery rhyme, but um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so in this episode of the PhD Addicted to Research podcast, we speak to Dr. Tom Freeman, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Bath and the director of the Addiction and Mental Health Research Group. And you're also one of the senior academic fellows funded by the SSA. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Thanks very much. My name is Tom Freeman and you introduced me and some of my work. Um, my training is primarily in psychopharmacology. I'm really interested in, in applying experimental methods to addiction, both in terms of experimental medicine studies and clinical trials, and particularly in relation to cannabis and cannabinoids. I'm very interested in cannabis use disorder and treatment for cannabis use disorder. I'm also very interested in characterising changes in cannabis products, such as concentrations of THC and CBD um, in different types of cannabis and how this is related to addiction and mental health outcomes. That sounds really interesting. I think I've heard about your work on the can different cannabis concentrations. Um, so thank you for joining us in this episode of the podcast, um, which where we talked about how to work best with your supervisors during your PhD. And as someone who supervises PhDs, we thought that it would be a good idea to get your perspective too. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you is, what do you think um, the role of the PhD supervisor entails for you? And the reason I'm asking is that some people might have worked with their supervisors previously in a different capacity, for instance, as a research assistant or a master's student. So I wonder how you think that relationship between the student and the supervisor changes in a PhD. Thanks. That's a really interesting question. <laughs> and. I think that the role of the PhD supervisor should be to maximise the potential of the PhD student. And that could be in a number of different ways. It could be academically, um, it could also include personal goals. Um, so for example, um, people's confidence giving presentations or generally the way they work in teams or individually. It might also involve clinical aspects if people are going into a more clinical oriented field. Um, and that's quite a diverse um, range of goals and it would depend on the particular student and what they want to achieve and I think the most important thing there is for the PhD supervisor to understand where the PhD student wants to be what their goals are such that they can then help them maximize their potential. That's a really good way of putting it maximizing the potential of the student and it sounds like it's a very individual individual process tailored to the student as well and what about your thoughts about the switch from let's say a research assistant to a PhD do you think there is a difference in terms of how you work with a PhD student and a research assistant for example absolutely there is and I've had experience of this where I'm working with the same person as an RA and then transitioning to a PhD with them which I think is a really nice transition yeah um, and when you're working as an RA obviously this does depend on the project but Typically, you'll be working as part of a larger scale project, which you've not had academic um, autonomy or ownership in, in the same way that you would have a PhD. So often mm. you're being given um, a role as a research assistant um, and you're having very directive input from your supervisor as part of a wider team. Um, and it's good to be working as part of the team, but you don't have the same independence as an RA typically, although this does vary. 
then transitioning to a PhD, I feel like it's very important from my perspective to, over the course of the PhD, engender that feeling of independence, autonomy and guiding one to be a potential in, in terms of their future as a, a research leader in the future. So it's that development from more directive working to more freedom um, and allowing the PhD student to become an expert in their own field. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. That difference between uh, PI-directed research and the PhD student-directed research and gaining the autonomy throughout the PhD. So another thing that I want to ask you about is we talked a lot about expectations in this episode with the fellow PhD students. So I wonder from your perspective, what do you expect from your PhD students? Well, it does depend on the individual student and what they would like to achieve. I think that goes back to my my first point about helping them to develop their potential. And for some people, they want to learn new advanced statistical methods, and that will involve heavy training and, and lots of hard work to achieve that. And, and for others, they might be more interested in developing particular skills with working with a client group or addressing a particular challenge. And so it really does depend on what they want to achieve. But I would expect um, over the course of the PhD for people to have um, hard work dedicated to, to achieve their aims, um, to have regular meetings and to, to have a good dialogue such that there's a, a constant stream of communication. Um, and if they enjoy it and they've, they've made progress, then I would see that's the most important thing. I don't think there's, for me, there's not a specific measurable output that I would expect um, mm-hmm. on a regular basis. It does change as, as the PhD continues. Yeah, of course. And you touched an, on an important point about how um, perhaps the relationship between a supervisor and a PhD student changes throughout the PhD. Would you like to reflect on that a bit more? Yeah, when when the, the supervisory relationship first starts, it might be the case that you don't know each other so well and you don't know exactly where the PhD is going to go. Um, I like to see um, people developing much more in terms of having ownership of their work such that what I would say is when you first start your PhD, you might find that if there's a discussion and a debate, and there often is, you might find that you're deferring to your supervisor because you think they know best. And in many cases, they might or they might not. But even if you were potentially correct about this one, you might not have the confidence to then actually argue and say, I, I actually think I'm right on this. I'd like to do what I suggested. But I would like to see towards the end of the PhD the PhD student has enough confidence in their own understanding um, and as, as an academic in development that they can then argue with their PhD supervisor, not, not in an argumentative way, but to, to defend their work and, and their research choices um, such that they are the expert in the field at that point. So it's, um, it's an increase in confidence and independence that then prepares them for a career in academia mm. if that's where they want to go. Yeah, and I guess that ties well with what you said about leading research in the future, right? Um, they can't always rely on their supervisor to make the decisions for them. And it's about building that confidence. And I've definitely noticed my supervisor also, even from earlier on, encouraging me to say what I think we should be doing. So I think that's a, an important aspect. Um, um, another thing I want to ask about is um, sometimes as PhD students, we might feel like we're extra work for our supervisors. And yeah, so I think, you know, it's helpful for us to think, OK, so what is the benefits of a PhD supervisor for a, a PhD student for a supervisor? I wonder, do you quite enjoy seeing someone develop over the course of three years? 
Absolutely. For me, it's, it's one of my favourite um, job aspects. Really, really, it's one of the best things to watch somebody develop from potentially an early idea and early um, yeah, stage in their career to, to being a research leader in the future. And it's really nice watching people develop, not only during their PhD, but also where they go afterwards and what mm-hmm. they choose to do. So I think it is, it is a very special time um, personally and also academically, and it's something that I really enjoy um, if you have a, a great relationship, it's it's the best thing, and yeah, it's 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 definitely something that I I would encourage people to do if they're interested in P, in supervising PhD students. I think it's such a rewarding yeah. thing to do as part of your job. Yeah, it does sound like it. Are there any other benefits um, of supervising a PhD student? Do you find that you also learn from the students in terms of um, literature or methods? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's often assumed that more senior academics have, have all of the ideas and all, all of the answers, but that's not the case. Many PhD students come up with some of the best ideas and research that then has, it, has a huge impact and changes the direction of the field. So mm. I think when you work as part of a team, you do learn very much from everyone within the, in the team. And it's not a case of PhD students just doing the work. That's, um, they're the ones who are, who are essentially developing leading the field and um who are going to be the next leaders mm. so so yeah you definitely can and um and that's that's part of it i think it's good to work um in a team that accepts everyone equally um, regardless of their career stage yeah yeah definitely everyone learns from each other don't they it's sort of not a one-way uh, learning stream but it's a two it goes both ways basically And another thing is that we know our PhD supervisors are generally quite busy um, people and they have other responsibilities than supervising PhD students. They might have undergraduate students or research assistants working from them. They might have different projects. Um, And sometimes um, perhaps the supervisors might need a bit of a gentle reminder from their students. Uh, But I know a lot of students uh, find this quite difficult to do because they don't want to be seen like, they don't want to be seen as pestering their supervisor, let's say. I wonder what your thoughts on this were. I would, I would never want to think that my PhD students didn't want to contact me because they might be pestering. I would say my, my door is always open and in the time of COVID, my inbox is always open or you can call me on Teams if you need to anytime. So I always like to be approachable and I think that that's a good model for supervisors. Mm. I can understand that some people might feel like they don't want to pester their supervisor, but actually supervisor's job is to provide guidance and so I don't think anyone should ever feel that they shouldn't ask. Um, at the same time I do understand that people can be busy and, and it can be sometimes worth thinking about the best way to to arrange your communication. One thing that can be helpful is having a regular meeting for example um, we, weekly meetings at a certain time and then it might be the case that if you save your questions for that weekly slot um, you can then discuss everything um, it might be that you want to meet more frequently or less frequently than that um, and that's something that you can then discuss but that could be a way to then potentially make um, your interactions more concentrated and have mm. more time to explore them rather than sending lots of emails over the course of a week for example definitely it's sort of about thinking how you can make that communication most efficient for both parties isn't it and i like what you said about you know during covid times being even more approachable to students because i can definitely feel um especially right now it's a lot more difficult for um for everyone really so i think people do appreciate um that extra 
um, contact with their supervisor in this difficult time. Oh, and just one other point to add to that. It's, it's also worth asking your supervisor how you should contact them because you can have an honest conversation to, to say, how would you like me to contact you? I don't want to pester you. Um, I know that's, you know, that's our relationship, but what's the best way? But it will depend on the supervisor and how they manage their workload and mm-hmm. communication. And that's a, that's a case of how the supervisory relationship will change over time once you understand the relationship and how to make it beneficial for both of you. And having those open conversations, although they might seem a little bit awkward, is really going to help. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. Communication is the most important aspect, isn't it? And I think I think one of the things you said made me think about um, this topic of what can PhD students do to help their supervisor? In a sense, what can we do to make your job easier, basically? <laughs> I feel I feel like, sorry, but I feel like that's, that's the wrong question. It should be what yeah. the supervisors do to make your life easier. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, absolutely. The supervisor should be working around the PhD student's needs rather than the other way around. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I mean is, um, yeah, so, you know, for example, uh, perhaps preparing the meeting agendas or communicating uh, or talking about what is the best communication method. But it's okay if you, if you don't really <laughs> think that's the right question to ask. That's fine. <laughs> well... Yeah, there are certain things that you can try, like um, arranging the, the meetings, um, sending around an agenda, if that's the way that you like to work. Um, mm-hmm. But for some people, that's that's not the way they like to work. And, and it does just depend on your individual circumstances. Sure. I would say it should be um, a bilateral conversation both ways in terms of what works for me, what works for you, how should we arrange supervision, um, how frequently should we meet and just have those conversations at the start and also on a regular basis, just so that, mm-hmm. for example, you might find you have more intense supervision and more regular meetings at the start in the first year, and then you then move to less frequent meetings, and that might be part of the transition to independence. It's just worth having those conversations, making it a bilateral agreement in terms of what works best for whom, mm-hmm. rather than I wouldn't like to see the students sort of changing their work pattern just to fit around their supervisor, because I would see that as, as counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think it's important to say, like you, you, like you did say there, that the contact and the communication methods might change throughout the PhD, uh, according to the stage of the PhD, but according to what else is going on. And I think I found that during the pandemic, I actually meet with my supervisor a lot more regularly than I would have had perhaps um, last year because of the nature of things at the moment. So yeah, it's normal to have certain periods where you meet more regularly and uh, other periods where you don't meet as much because and just to add to that as well many phd students have a second supervisor or even a supervisory team yes and it can be useful particularly if you feel like you're not getting enough contact from your first supervisor to to reach out it's really good to have more than one supervisor because then you get training in, in different perspectives and sometimes you can have really nice interdisciplinary teams um, and it, occasionally people will have group supervision meetings that's fantastic or they might have individual meetings and again it's a case of what works best for the student I would say definitely make the most of all of the supervisors on your supervisory team and if you don't feel like um, you have everything covered or even if you just like some additional supervision you can always approach your supervisor and say well look um, this is great I think that I could benefit from learning for example some statistical methods could I look for a supervisor who has this training and maybe Mm -hmm. you could add that to your team and it's it's not a threat to your supervisor, it's just additional training for you. And, and I think having having that support and being flexible is, is often beneficial. Definitely. And I think that's something that Dan in our podcast episode has reflected on. 
having those additional mentors and supervisors who can help you with certain skills that maybe your supervisors, um, your supervisor team doesn't have. One of the things that I found beneficial is also getting support from other people around you in your lab, for instance, a PhD student who's more senior than you, a postdoc or, um, you know, research associates or uh, research fellows. I think thinking a bit more broadly around the supervision team is also helpful, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you one more question before we go on to your top tips. Um, so I wonder, in terms of working with students from a minority background, so if, for example, a student that you supervise is experiencing discrimination, how can they bring that up with their supervisor and how might you be able to support them in that sort of setting? It's a really important question and it is a big, a big problem in, in academia today. I would say it's very important for the supervisor to make it clear that they're happy to discuss all issues um, with them as part of supervision. Well, I would say that it would be up to the student if they wanted to bring it up with their supervisor, because it might be the case that if they've experienced discrimination, they might not feel confident speaking mm-hmm. to their supervisor, or indeed there might be discrimination as part of their supervisory team somehow. Yes. So, so it's, it's important to note that while supervisors should definitely be open to this and to allow students to bring up any issues, it could be other issues in, in their life that they'd like to speak about alongside this, many things that might come up. They should be open to it. They shouldn't necessarily expect that their students will want to share them um, with the supervisor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the issue about um, minority backgrounds and discrimination is, is really a huge problem in universities at the moment. And I would recommend to anyone who has experienced this not to be silent to make sure that you seek um, seek action to to deal with this um, and many universities have groups such as um, diversity and inclusion groups that you can discuss um, you could you could potentially join one of these groups um, so for example national addiction center at king's college london has um, a diversity and inclusion group which is very active i'd recommend that people join those and and to address any problems they have and if necessary to take any issues to the highest level because it's really important that we don't accept any any violation of somebody's right to, to be treated as equal in, in academia and sometimes small problems can be brushed under the carpet but it's important to make sure that they're managed appropriately. Definitely I think that's really encouraging what you said because sometimes if people have experienced similar things throughout their life they might be less likely to come out and talk about them uh, and seek help, like you said, but it is really important that people do speak up to highlight these issues. And it's not okay to continue along whilst you're experiencing discrimination because it can really affect your well-being and how you do with, how you get on with your PhD, really. So, yeah, universities are very strict about this, and and it's really important that these problems get taken up. We know that um, people people in academia it's it's very difficult to to see representation of of black and minority ethnic people in in universities at the high level and, and there's something that's happening with people's transition from being a student to working in academia mm-hmm. there, there are problems we need to address and we need to make sure that there is inclusion at all levels and that any problems are are dealt with appropriately definitely it's interesting because we were thinking about what are in our field we don't know many phd students from a minority background so it kind of made us question um, or made us aware of this inequality perhaps and the problem of representation yeah 
Yeah, we've got to think why, why there is this problem and where it's stemming from. And one of the issues might be fears about how these issues are dealt with if someone's experienced discrimination and they might have experienced it in their undergraduate degree. And then they mm. think, well, academia is actually not very welcoming for me. Um, so I don't want to continue. So we really need to, to address this head on. Definitely. And help, help support these people and allow them to, to have a career um, yeah. just as anyone else would, would expect to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to ask before we finish off, finish off. Uh, so, what would you, what would your top tips for current PhD students would be in terms of working well with their supervisor? What would you advise them to do? Okay. Well, one of the things that you mentioned before, you said communication is key. I, I definitely think that would be my top tip. So, you want to communicate effectively. Clearly, you want to communicate frequently if possible because your supervisor will respond to your um, your communication. And if you don't provide that, often that's kind of the starting point. So I think the more you know what you want from your supervisor, um, the more you can get it. So that's a really good starting point. Trying to, trying to think about where you want to go so that you can give your supervisor information about your future. Um, often academics have lots of opportunities flying around and if they know that somebody wants to pick something up they know to direct them to that so it's having that um, honest conversation about your career development that's um, a very good one i think another issue is trust um having having a trusting relationship and it, and it might be that some people out there don't have a trusting relationship and i would say in that case you might want to seek to change your supervisory team but building trust such that you can share your successes which is fantastic when PhD students have successes but also your failures and being completely honest about about your work and how you feel I think this is going to build a strong a strong relationship definitely I think that's a really good point to end on thank you so much I think those are some really useful tips and just generally useful discussion about um, PhD supervision thank you for joining us in this episode thank you very much Okay, so just to wrap up, um, can we talk about maybe your top tips for, you know, working well with your supervisors? I've got a list. Oh, wow. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) We've already touched on this. Just get to know your supervisor before you get started. Work out what they expect of you, what you expect of them. Set some ground rules, boundaries, really important. Establish how you are going to communicate, how regularly that's going to be. Make sure that you're setting up your meetings and that you're being proactive with that. So it's really important that you schedule the appointments into the diary. Be totally honest. So I know I mentioned this before. If you're struggling, just tell them you're struggling. Um, If you don't particularly like a suggestion that they have about a particular area that you should look at or research into, just tell them um, that you're not, you know, you don't think that that's a good idea or a good avenue to go down. Yeah, just take the initiative. It's important that you take the reins with this one. Take the responsibility. This is your PhD. As much as, you know, you are still a student, this is a training process. Building up and fostering that good relationship with your supervisor is part of it. And hopefully if you've got a good supervisor, they'll encourage you to build an exciting career post your PhD. It's not just about that time from start to finish of your PhD, but effectively it's about having that good relationship where you can network and expand and build your career in the direction that you want it to go in. Yeah, yeah, that's such such a good list of um, tips, Carol. And um, what about you, Dan? 
Another thing is uh, set regular milestones and deadlines, um, even if you're going to have an annual monitoring report, so an annual report where you show your progress, set out when you're going to start writing for that. Just gives everybody, again, some expectations and uh, guidelines as to what's going on. Um, also, there's a wealth of knowledge out there online that can um, support you. Please have a look at websites. Uh, we've mentioned findaphd.com as well. It's a fantastic website and they have a, a blog on there that's wrote by academics and also PhD students. Um, and just um, talk to your um, people in your network again. Those are, those are some really good tips. So I, I definitely agree with like milestones and deadlines and I think they can be really helpful. But also something I've learned is also being flexible in terms of deadlines because earlier on in the PhD I'd get a bit anxious about certain milestones and not meeting them or certain deadlines and postponing them um, and my supervisor said we'll set out these deadlines and a timeline but these might change and it's okay if they do so I think yeah being flexible in terms of those has been really helpful for me as well and I think another thing that really helped me was being honest about um, you know anything that might be affecting your PhD performance like whether that's pastoral issues mental health issues you know if they don't know what's going on and you're not keeping up with what you're meant to be doing then you know they just don't really know why I think a, a couple of weeks ago I was feeling really anxious with all the all the work and feeling a, a bit overwhelmed and you know being in lockdown so I shared that with my supervisor and they were actually quite understanding they said um you know we can take some of the workload can I help with some of that so I found it really helpful you know throughout the PhD I think I want to conclude by saying that even though we've, we've all had like positive relationships with our supervisors it's normal for people to have you know some ups and downs in their relationship and if people are feeling like they're having difficulties with their supervisors they are probably not alone so you know I just want to say that to not alienate other people that's a nice way to end Marva thank you summed that up nicely yeah absolutely yeah. thank you thanks Marva and Dan Cheers, thanks Marva. both bye. of you bye